Hello everyone, this is the Sustainable Self-Development Podcast. My name is Abel and man, I was just about to sing something to you. As at this point in time, I still don't have a podcast intro, but well, I think I will save that for later. This time you are listening to once again one of my earlier episodes and this is episode 8 of the SSD podcast. And this time I was talking to Andrea Jangle who initially appeared on the web kind of in association with John Kiefer and the whole carb backloading and carb night kind of themes. She herself got great results with those protocols and started using the she herself got great results with those protocols and have started using that with her clients. And then she actually became head coach for the coaching team of Body.io, which is the website founded by John Kiefer. And there they help people getting results with carb backloading and carb night protocols. So that is how she became well-known initially. However, after some time, she realized that there are many caveats and contextual issues with those protocols, carb backloading and carb night, that were not emphasized enough. And she felt like she could not be true to what she believed should be preached to the public and continue working for this company. So she decided to go on her own. And now she is coaching and educating people in solo. And you can find her at andreajangle.com. In this episode, we talked about a variety of things, but primarily we discussed all the untold truths behind many of the low-carb and carb cycling kind of protocols, and we went really deep into many of the unrealistic expectations people have when trying these nutritional protocols. And I can definitely attest to this, and I think most of us can, that trying something like carb backloading or carb night that promises us that we can really pick out on our favorite foods and we just need to do it at the right time sounds really incredibly appealing but unfortunately yet again the laws of energy balance and the ugly reality of calories in versus calories out just refused to be defeated so andrew was really outspoken about all of this which is something i greatly admire and appreciate since at the time we recorded this interview she was basically just out of body.io so Kudos for her, for her honesty, and we also touched on other topics such as how she approaches her nutrition and training during pregnancy. So if you're in that kind of situation or know someone who is in that kind of situation, it could definitely be useful. So I hope you will enjoy this episode. If you do, please leave a rating on iTunes to help this podcast grow. And you can also find this interview on YouTube if you just search for the keywords Andrea Jangle Able. And uh, you can also download the MP3 on my website, which is susdvc.com slash podcast. That is susdvc.com slash podcast. So without further ado, let's go ahead to the interview with Andrea Jangle. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, today, I'm talking with Andrea Jangle, who goes by AJ, all the way from Canada, if I'm correct. And That's right. <laughs> Awesome. And uh, if, if you've ever um, looked up in Google the terms carb backloading, carb night, or, or anything like that, then you've definitely come across her name. So uh, with that, Andrea, thank, or AJ, <laughs> thanks for joining the call. And uh, yeah, why don't you just give a little bit of a background? How did you get started in the, in the fitness uh, industry and been interest, got interested in fitness in the first place? Well, uh, it's actually been just like an underlying uh, 
interests that I've had since I was pretty young, but I actually went to school for business and marketing and uh, had like a whole separate life before I got into this business uh, about seven or eight years ago now. Uh, So like back in my 20s, I was living out west in Whistler, British Columbia. I was like into everything from motocross to snowboarding. So uh, fitness, you know, you would think fitness would be like a huge part of my life then. It was more about the sports. And what I discovered over the years is that I lacked uh, the knowledge that I needed about nutrition and how to train properly for my sports. And it really ended up biting me in the ass. Uh, So that's kind of what drove me to basically just go do my own research and work with some pretty interesting people that had a lot of uh, experience and knowledge. And then I just kind of shifted from that just being like a hobby and something I was using for my personal interest into something I wanted to make a career change and do. And uh, I did that. I I worked at everything from like small private studios to uh, big box gyms downtown Toronto. And then eventually, uh, you know, in that process, I realized that, you know, I loved working with people one-on-one in the gym and I really had a passion for that. But the only people that were really getting results that I think like that I would be satisfied with are the people that took my nutrition advice, um, which was, you know, when you're working in a gym with someone and they pay you <laughs> almost nothing, you got about, <laughs> I don't know, 50% of the people will, will take on your nutrition um, advice and the other, well, maybe it's less than that and the other ones don't. I just really started to fall in love with that process and, uh, and just wanted to focus on that. So I, uh, that's what I did. I just started focusing on nutrition and just started slowly uh, working online with people and, and sometimes not online, just helping them with their nutrition, helping them get results that way. And it just kind of all <laughs> snowballed into, uh, you know, eventually working with Body.io with John Kiefer. You mentioned carb night and carb backloading. He's the author of those um, diet books. Uh, I used his protocols for years with myself and clients, so I ended up uh, working with him for a couple of years as his uh, coaching manager. I'm I'm no longer doing that. I'm on my own, but that's where, like, um, I would say most of my experience with clients online came from. I was kind of, I guess, known in that world, and that just brought me tons of clients who were familiar with, uh, you know, any kind of carb cycling diet, and we worked through that together with uh, myself and a team of coaches. Yeah, so... I don't know. It's kind of a long story. <laughs> okay, no, that's uh, that's awesome, and and I, it actually, it will be interesting because uh, right now I'm not like it, a lot of the information will be new for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm genuinely interested in where you're standing uh, on in kind of like the your nutrition philosophies and everything. But but I'm really really excited to talk about uh, your kind of views on coaching and nutrition because. You've done a lot of podcasts in the apps. Well, whenever Kiefer disappeared from the podcast, you've done a lot of work there. And anytime you you said something about your coaching experiences and nutrition experiences, every time I was like, oh, wow, I, I, I learned something new. So, uh, cool. so with that, um, how did you, I don't know, like uh, how did you kind of stumble into the whole idea of car backloading and those kind of things, first of all? Oh, man. I always try to remember how that happened. I don't remember. I, okay, so first of all, way back when in my own nutrition experiments, I had tinkered with a low-fat diet. And uh, <laughs> that that really blew up in my face. I basically just did like a, 
I kind of did an experiment, which you could call uh, just if the average person, especially women, were to go out and listen to like the advice in a magazine uh, and follow a diet, what would that look like? I kind of got a picture of that based on collecting information from people I was working with. You, like you, you learn their beliefs and what they think and how they feel they should be eating. So I kind of just did like a, a real like low, low fat diet. It was low calorie, didn't have any strategic refeeds. Um, and I lost, yeah, I lost fat. I also lost a ton of muscle mass and I got, I became hypothyroid uh, pretty quickly. And of course realized oh, okay. that right away and reversed that. Um, that was like my real first, you know, nutrition experiment with myself and, uh, People thought, oh, you look great because I was, I was thin. I was probably the least athletic looking I'd ever looked. I was, you know, wearing skinny jeans and my, I could get my quads in the skinny jeans. So I guess some people find that look appealing. Um, but I felt like crap. I was having issues with my health and uh, I wasn't strong. Like I was falling apart in the gym. So um, that was like the first sense that, you know, a low fat diet wasn't for me. And of course, I've always just had this belief that if I was going to coach people with nutrition, I really need to try these things for myself uh, and, and see how to implement them. Understanding that, you know, different diet strategies work for different people. You, know, you always have to be open to that. Uh, I still want to exper experience them myself because whatever diet protocol you're going to use, you're going to come up against things that are frustrating or, you know, how do you... How do you eat this kind of, how do you eat this way when you're on the road? Those kind of things, those practical experiences really help when you're trying to coach a client. So um, I, I can't remember exactly how I stumbled across Carb Night, but um, I think it was just searching for, well, actually I didn't stumble across Carb Night first. I stumbled across the, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget his name. Sorry, I'm pregnant, so I have pregnancy brain right now. I can't remember everything. But it's the anabolic diet, the original anabolic diet. Um, which was uh, Dr. Di Pasquale. Maybe I'm getting the name of the diet wrong, but it was like a cyclical, yeah. yeah, it was a cyclical ketogenic diet, and it was two carb refeeds like every weekend. So the weekend you would probably refeed um, Saturday and Sunday. That was the first diet like that I kind of came across, and I used that. I just really noticed that um, it was really hard to get back on track after two days of carving up in a row, I uh, wasn't getting great results. So that led me, that that's what led me to carb night or just, you know, basically refining your carb refeed to one refeed per week. And, and that helped me. And then it just kind of hit the point where that wasn't really working for me anymore. I got into bike season. So not only was I weight training, I was biking and I just knew I needed more carbs. And uh, that led me to, you know, using carb backloading with carb night. If I was in a, if, if I was in a deficit trying to lose weight, I would use that as a refeed and just tinkering with that for years. And I, I got down to the lowest body fat percentage I ever had. I had the best like lab work I'd ever had. Um, I felt amazing. I wasn't having any health issues. And, and basically that was, you know, two years of really tinkering with those diets. Yeah. Right. So I guess, um, if, when we look at these protocols, then I, I think they kind of, in terms of popularity and kind of reactions from, I guess, the media and other fitness authorities, I guess they had their ups and downs. Um, so right now, how do you kind of see the, their application? What do you think 
about the state of uh, these diets? So to speak? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, and that was like a really hard thing for me when I, you know, made the decision to start working uh, with someone exclusively in the industry who's written diet books um, was because I, I really still don't believe and I never did. And I, ne I have never promoted that there's a one size fits all nutrition protocol. Um, I believe that everything comes back to the client. It comes, you have to do a lot of digging about the client's uh, diet history, even their lifestyle, like their stress levels day to day, what, what things they're trying to battle with. Um, it, it is really has to be individualized. As far as carb night and carb backloading, I can tell you that I've used those diet protocols to help most of the clients I've worked with because a lot of them have come from like, was, I was actually fascinated how many women were on like a strict long-term ketogenic diet that were coming for me to, to me for help. And uh, they were running into a lot of health issues and uh, just adding like a carb night was helping overcome that. So um, I've experienced things like that. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think that everything needs to be looked at on an individual basis. Uh, if, if I want to say like in general, generally speaking, I think the average person does consume too much carbohydrate. So my strategy most of the time, and I'm not, not all the time, it also depends on what the person is willing to, to do and you know what they can wrap their head around because not everyone has the same knowledge about food and how to manipulate it. Um, but in general, my favorite approach, and this is still my favorite approach, is to strip the calorie or sorry the carbs out of the diet to you know somewhat minimum like 30 to 50 grams a day do that for it doesn't need to be an extended period of time I, i'm not trying i'm not a ketogenic diet coach um i can help someone with that but that's never really been something that most of my clients gravitate towards um <clears throat> so if we strip the carbs out and we keep their energy expenditure about the same and their training uh, intensity and volume the same, it's then really easy to determine how much carbohydrate they need and when. Uh, but I find slowly chipping away at it, you can get there, you can also get there that way, but my, my preference is to strip the carbs out, uh, and then we basically, we have to take the person's biofeedback and see how they're feeling, how they're performing, what they look like, what their progress is like, and then we start cycling carbs in. Now, that being said, if someone doesn't want to do that and they just want to eat a mixed diet and follow if it fits your macros or something like that, then that's fine with me too. Like there's um, just, I don't know, timing macronutrients isn't essential to get to your goal. It might be something that people prefer. Um, I just did a recent video about, you know, why I carb backloaded for so long. And a lot of it was just habitual stuff that I really liked, the way it made me feel, the way it made me stick to the, the protocol and stay on track. Because the truth is, I can be a total glutton. <laughs> um, so I need a strategy. But, um, you know, everyone's different. And, yeah, there's a lot of flack from other people about carb night and carb backloading. And I totally understand why. Um, and I have to deal with that. I have to deal with misconceptions and that flack from clients too, because they come to me with a very like narrow perception of things when, you know, they've re they've read certain books. Right. And, um, I guess, you know, just, just like uh, carb backloading and carb and just carb cycling type of diets, uh, I guess just low carb in and of itself had its kind of ups and downs in terms of, uh, reputation. 
So kind of what, what do you kind of see uh, in terms of what cl your clients think a low carb diet should do for them? I don't know, where is the balance between facts and, and hype in your opinion? Um, oh, wow. And so, I mean, you see that battle online all the time. It's, you know, the, the low carb versus uh, what, well, I don't know, you could, you can take any different approach to those arguments. You see it all, all the time. That's kind of what I got sick of in, you know, being tied to certain protocols is because people just want to fight with you about stuff. Um, I think there's a, I think we're lacking tons of research for carb cycling diets. I don't think there's actually a lot of great research out there. There's some interesting research that's being done. I want to, I want to look into a little bit more, but um, they're comparing, they're comparing a strict ketogenic diet um, in performance with like a cyclical ketogenic diet. I haven't really seen that yet, hmm. but, uh, I mean, they look at such small things like just, uh, you know, performance in a certain rep range. And it's like, it goes way beyond that. Women I work with who have like, they don't get their periods on a ketogenic diet and then you cycle in some carbs and they do. So it's like, these studies are helpful, but are they, they don't answer, um, all these questions and they don't cover the broad spectrum. So um, there's all the arguments and then there's the misconceptions. So the things I see, people think if you cut out carbs that cal calories don't matter, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I was gonna, I was gonna talk specifically about that as well. Okay, good. So that's like the biggest misconception. And some of that is, you know, it's out there in the low carb uh, diet books that are out there because I think to sell a diet book, and this is part of the reason I, I haven't been interested in writing my own book, um, but it, I don't know. they try to like tempt people in with something like you, you don't need to count calories. And people assume that means calories don't count, which is absolutely incorrect. Um, just like, I don't know, what's the other, there's so many common things. So if you cut out carbs, calories don't matter. That's absolutely not true. Because I can tell you right now that 90% of the people that were using carb bank and carb backloading that would come to me for coaching, it was basically a calorie issue. Uh, they weren't, they weren't getting results on them on their own. And it was all it was, was a calorie issue. Right. Um, the other thing is uh, <laughs> you can eat as much fat as you want. And I guess that falls under the same category, but you know, I get women who are 130 pounds eating 250 grams of fat per day. Yeah. And it, <laughs> Uh, and they sit there scratching their head wondering why they can't lose weight. I mean, I'm scratching my head wondering why they're not gaining weight rapidly. I find that fascinating. But, <laughs> um, I mean, maybe they haven't been doing that for months and months on end. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's another misconception. Uh, people think that, you know, on something with like a carb night or any kind of diet refeed, um, that you can eat as much as you want and get away with it. It's, in fact, quite the opposite. You can be in a calorie deficit all week and eliminate any progress you could make by going way overboard on a refeed. Yeah. So, you know, refeeds have to be strategic. Um, Alex Navarro and I talked about a lot that a lot about on our old podcast because uh, that's a huge problem with cyclical ketogenic diets. People just tend to really overeat uh, one night a week, and unfortunately, they just ping pong back and forth. You know, one or two pounds every single week. Yeah, um, I've been there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so have I. I made that mistake years ago too. And uh, I mean, then there's just the fear of carbohydrate uh, that I see all the time in it. 
that's probably one of the more frustrating things about what I do is when you see someone who genuinely genuinely wants to take your advice, but emotionally they're trapped. And, you know, there's some body dysmorphia and impossible eating disorder uh, that's underlying. Uh, and they really genuinely want to take your advice and add more carbs into their diet. And I see this all the time, but they just, they can't, they break down. The thought of even eating more carbs will actually like, put them in like a total anxiety mode and they start stressing out. And I, you know, I mean, I've seen people in tears at the fact of having a high carb meal. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I think any coach and client in that situation, if your coach and I know I'm not qualified to deal with eating disorders, I mean, that's where the scope of our practice is really like it's beyond us. And that's the difficult situation. Uh, and you can try to educate a client uh, about carbohydrate, carbohydrate metabolism, metabolism in general. Um, some people take to the education to help them overcome uh, some of you know the beliefs that they have. And other people, it's just it's you know some deep-seated issues that need to be uh, resolved with the help of a professional. Yeah, so it's it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 actually. Uh... You know, it's really funny because I've definitely been there. Like you, you just really commit to a nutrition approach, especially mm-hmm. if you're not very educated. It's just very hard to break free from that. Like I was, I was in a position not long ago where I was like, okay, I'm pretty much as lean as I want to be. Like I can experiment a little bit, and I tried like a just kind of a high carb diet. Like I just went high carbs, moderate fat, and I just told myself that. Like, I'm going to crash in the middle of the afternoon. Like, it's no way I'm not going to crash. And I didn't crash, but I started, like, almost rationalizing that I'm getting this wrong. I must be crashing because I ate carbs. Like, I, I don't mm. know. Do, do you, like, I don't, but, but I, I want to get back to, you mentioned that initially you were on a low-fat, high-carb diet and you lost a ton of muscle mass now. Do you think that there is a time and place for that kind of nutrition approach for someone? Uh, an extremely low-fat diet uh, is not something I would really put any of my clients on. There should be uh, at least an essential amount of fat that uh, to help just with hormone production. Um, it's it's the diet that I resort to the least. Right. Um, and I... And with the coaches I've worked with, they mostly feel the same. Um, and I think sometimes what they do, and I don't, co- I don't coach anyone for like stage prep or anything like that for a bikini or fitness, but I do know that some of those coaches will really start to taper off the fat towards the show. But I mean, the last thing you want to be doing is having someone on a low carb and low fat diet. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to look at the balance of your macros I mean, people think that carb backloading is super, super high fat. Um, that's not necessarily true at all. Like, I'm, if you look at my macros, they're very much like a mixed macronutrient uh, diet. The only thing that would be different that I do would be timing my, mac- timing my carbs in the evening. Uh, right. But when you, when you look at my, you know, my macros for the day, it's a mixed diet. Right. Okay, so how how mixed are we speaking of right now? Just out of curiosity. Um, like honestly, my sweet spot is like that thirty three percent split across the board. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, That's, yeah right. And and um, now you talked about uh, how most of the time when frustrated clients come to you, it's 
mostly a calorie issue or, or often it, it is. Uh, yeah, would you like to elaborate on that more or? Yeah, sure. So there's a couple issues that we run into and the, the easiest issue to resolve is, is someone just overeating. Uh, and a lot of the time when they come to me and they're just like, they're significantly overeating or it might be something where they're just like really overdoing it on their refeed or their carb night, something like that. Um, so that's usually a really easy issue to resolve. I take a really uh, detailed assessment for my clients that include it includes tracking their calories and macros where they are right now before they get my help because I want to see how they're eating. Um, so overeating is usually the easiest thing to help them with. Um, Undereating is a different story. And this is why I think it's so important to collect this data uh, from each client because I never ever want to just assume that everyone's overeating because it's definitely not the case. So if you find that someone is not losing weight and uh, they're severely under eating, uh, then you got to start really picking away of like, you know, how long have they been eating this way? Uh, there's usually other things that surface during that process, but then normally what that involves is creeping calories back up to what would be a reasonable maintenance level for that person, um, sustaining that for a while, trying to you know focus on their health, making sure that they're in the gym for the right reasons, not there, just always trying to burn calories and do cardio, but weight training, trying to build some lean muscle mass. And then after you've done that for a while, then you can start dieting down again. Um, but some, some women get to that point and they just start building muscle and getting that shape that they want. And they realize, well, I didn't really need to keep dieting down. I just, I just needed some muscle definition to have that look I wanted. So, you know, in that, in that scenario, you really have to, you know, stop the client and say, you know, I, I'm not dieting you down right now. You're already eating way too little. And this goes back to what you're saying about like weird things that people believe. One of the things that, you know, a lot of people vent about online is uh, this whole, you need to eat more, to lose weight. <laughs> so I get women all the time who are like, oh, I, you know, I climb my calories to 1800 and then I climb them to 2000 and then I climb them to 2200 and I, I'm not losing weight. I'm actually, I'm actually getting heavier, but it must just be muscle mass. Like I hear this all the time because they're trapped in that eat more to lose weight. And I think what gets, and I want to hear you, maybe your take on this, but I think people are confusing you need to have a healthy, healthy metabolism, not a suppressed metabolism that you've been, you know, under eating for possibly years. You, you need to have a healthy metabolism and possibly eat more uh, before you can start, you know, losing weight again. Uh, and that, again, is going to come from building that up, like I was talking about, and then slowly chipping away. Uh, is that something that you experience? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, de definitely. I mean, I, I've had a period when I was only listening to people like, like Gary Taubes and you know, talking about how it's not that we eat too much and exercise too little while we're fat. So I was eating like half a stick of butter just for breakfast, pretty much. And I was just not losing weight. <laughs> but I was just frustratedly yelling around like, why am I not losing weight? This is like, I was frustrated at Gary Taubes, but at the same time, I was frustrated at the other end who talked about calories. Mm -hmm. So I was just getting nowhere. And really it just kind of comes down to you have to get ed educated and think reasonably i don't know yeah well you have to encompass everything in my opinion like the people that argue it's just calories they're missing uh you know 
part of it too because a lot of it is hormones and underlying health issues and, and that's something I can talk about too to tie into your last question. Um, and then, you know, to say that it's not calories and it's just like, you know, eliminating food groups or macronutrients I think is also ridiculous and um, it really is a combination of everything. And, you know, we were talking about the client assessments. So I was talking about people overeating, people that are chronically undereating. And the other thing that I think is one of my, I don't know, we'll call it specialties, but just something that I really enjoy doing because I had to do this repeatedly uh, a couple of times with my own health. And I do it all the time for my friends and family is troubleshooting. You can troubleshoot your diet and, and eat a certain way. And if you're being consistent and following the guidelines and it should be working there and nothing is happening there could be underlying issues so we have to really look at everything as far as symptoms of like maybe hypothyroid um some some a lot of women have Hashimoto's hypothyroid so then you know you would still have uh guidelines for them but they would be tailored to whatever it is that they are going through or trying to uh recover from so in my opinion, uh, if you don't fix a health issue first, the fat loss is probably just going to, if you're always striving for fat loss, it's probably just going to make the issue worse. So I'd like to take an approach where it's like we're trying to, you know, a lot of my women end up just at maintenance calories, um, eating in a way that I think is going to benefit them, good food choices, but also good flexibility with their food choices. So it's not all clean. I hate that word, but um, mm -hmm. just try to improve their relationship with food. Um, but, you know, spend a lot of time in maintenance and focus on your health and focus on your habits and focus on your sleep and your stress and your mindset. Uh, and then, you know, get on top of that. You know, a lot of women, I think when you're in that situation, you're stressed out, you tend to overeat and then things snowball out of control. Uh, so that maintenance calories and just focusing on those things is like a go-to with a lot of people. Right. Okay. So, um, I guess to just, just put a, a point on that calorie, uh, component of, of this, uh, interview. So what do you generally, like, what do you do for yourself in terms of tracking? I, I think I've heard you mention that you don't like calorie counting. So what do you yeah. do for yourself and what do you advise for people in, in that regard? Well, I advise you to find something you like, and, and I don't advise uh, tracking calories all the time, uh, but you, at some point, there needs to be some accountability if you really want to find out what's going on. Otherwise, we're just guessing. Like I have, I've you know, consulted with clients who just don't want to do any tracking, and I just have to be honest with them. Well, we can get so far, but unless we're willing to really look at the numbers and analyze that, you know, we might come up against uh, just a, a real plateau that we can't break. Um, so a lot of people like MyFitnessPal because it's got a great database, uh, gives you the essentials of what you need to know. Then you got like the people who want to like pick everything apart. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember some of the uh, calorie calculators right now, but there's several that will give you like all your vitamin breakdown and all your micronutrient breakdown. Um, that is something that some people like that, like all that data and information. And I've, I mean, I've met people who they come to me and they're proud. They're like, I've tracked the last 200 days. That would just drive me absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm not saying that that's healthy. 
Uh, I think a lot of those people, I usually try to get them to track less uh, because eventually when you dig a little deeper, you realize they're pretty stressed out people. <laughs> so you try to relieve whatever kind of stress, even they think they think it helps them, but I, I'm not convinced that that's a good thing. Uh, so for me, I to get my macros down, I really had to use my fitness pal. Now, I should actually just backtrack for a second and say that nothing is ever perfect. There is no such thing as perfect. My, my clients and myself, we aim for ranges of macronutrients. So, you know, coming within 10, 5 to 10 plus or minus in that range will put you somewhere uh, where you should be. Uh, there's going to be days where you just don't hit it and, and you know, that's just life. Um, so I'm not... I, I'm not in the mindset that you can like meticulously uh, enter this data and that's even going to be accurate. Even if you look at like, you know, when you cook four ounces of food and you know, some people, some people drain the fat from their bacon and then some people put their eggs in it and cook it and ingest it. Right. So all these variables make a difference. So I'm not, I'm not of the belief that we can control every single gram, uh, nor do I try to do that, but you need to have some accountability. My favorite tracking technique has actually been something pretty simple. I make sure I, I buy food that I know, like I know how much it weighs or I know the portion sizes and how many grams of, of fat and protein or whatever are in those portion sizes. And I just, uh, I just do a tally. <laughs> I've done it super simple where I just have a little notepad. If I'm taking like a couple of I don't know, like eggs and maybe some breakfast sausage or whatever out of a package and cooking that in the morning. I just look on the package. It's pretty easy to see your macros right there. And I just tally it meal by meal. Um, and, 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 you know, when I was really doing my body recomp and dieting down, there wasn't a huge variety in my food uh, day to day. Like it was, it wasn't, it, I've seen, I've seen people who diet and eat the same thing every day and it wasn't like that, but I was buying stuff that I knew the portion size and the macro, the nutrition breakdown on the back was accurate. And that just really helped me simplify it. And I think that's where people, they get frustrated. They want to diet down. They want to look a certain way, but they also want like this elaborate nutrition plan that like has all these amazing different foods every single day. And it just becomes a lot to juggle. Everything's a trade-off. Yeah, I, I actually, I've, I've, I've heard someone put it in a really good way that probably most people who become very interested in nutrition are, are trying to find a, an eating pattern that maximizes their enjoyment of food while still getting to their results. And I guess, and, and, and do you think, uh, okay, I'm going to keep coming back to this, but do you think that's what drives a lot of people to these nutrition approaches because they're hoping to that this amazing ad libitum, whatever cheesecake every night kind of diet will get them ripped. Oh yeah. It's super, it's super tempting to think, Oh yeah. Who doesn't love carbs? So if you're told that you can eat carbs every single night and get ripped, uh, if you're told that you can have, you know, a huge refeed every single weekend and eat all the junk food you want, that you're just going to continue to lose weight. All those things are appealing. Um, I see, I see that with not just carb night and carb backloading. I see it with all sorts of diets, like with it, if it fits your macros. And I like to break it down where it's like, you know, your calories and your macros uh, are the most important thing. How you fill them, what food choices you make, that's a real individual thing. Uh, someone could eat a lot of junk food and, and still 
get results. They might not have, you know, the nutrition profile in their diet that we would want. Uh, but if that's their choice and that's the way they want to do it, then that's entirely up to them. Meanwhile, if I had a, you know, a woman who has Hashimoto's or a woman who's celiac, like legitimately celiac, we would fill their guidelines of calories and macros with different food choices. Um, in some cases, you know, to help their condition, right. And make sure it doesn't worsen it. So that's where the food choices to me, food choices and, you know, calories and macros are two totally separate issues. You need to customize both. And, uh, you know, if you're dealing with food issues, food preferences, that's, you fill your calories and macros with whatever you want. <laughs> right. uh, I have my preference, you know, wholesome, unprocessed food with a little bit of junk here and there, follow the 80-20 rule. That mm. works for me. But, um, but you know, some people, they want to keep it as clean as possible all the time. I don't yeah. know. Those people. <laughs> I don't know. What do you like? Do you like... Uh... Uh, personally, actually, I... I think like I toyed around with the if it fits your macros, fit in a little bit of junk kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, for me, I just felt less satisfied because I'm uh, I have a voracious appetite. Like I can yeah, yeah. I can just eat an, an absurd amount of food, and if I just fill those in with clean my macros with clean foods, I just feel more full. Like even yeah. in a caloric surplus, I have to feel pretty full. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very similar to that. I can eat a lot of food. I have the tendency, uh, like years ago, I just overeat. I'm half Italian. Like we overeat as just part of our culture. <laughs> um, but uh, same same thing for me. It's just, it's food volume. People don't pay attention to food volume a lot of the time. So, you know, a big bowl of rice uh, is going to have a lot more volume, less calories than like, you know, a tiny sliver of cheesecake that's loaded with like nuts and caramel and all that kind of stuff. And I find that's another big mistake on a low-carb diet. People cut out all the leafy greens, and a low-carb diet doesn't have, like, a lot of volume to it because, you know, fat calories are so condensed. And uh, that in itself can can make people feel hungry all the time. Uh, I don't do well. Even on a ketogenic diet, I don't know about you, I I'm starving. I I'm not one of those people. I know it's a small percentage of us, but even if I'm strict ketogenic, I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. Uh, me too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't have that luxury of being one of those people that. Oh, I'm ketogenic and I'm never hungry. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's, not, it's not even so much hunger. It's just. It's just the lack of feeling your stomach kind of stretch a little bit or something. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see more like uh, performance uh, studies on women with on ketogenic diets. Uh, that would be really interesting. Yeah, right. Yeah, actually, um, and that that almost ties into something that I, I briefly wanted to bring up. But but a quick question I would have is maybe, maybe it's not going to be a quick answer. Uh, but um, you know, like in terms of because you've co coached a lot of people, and I, I would be curious, what are the sort of mindset issues that you see, kind of sticking points and plateaus, like when they're getting frustrated? Because I work with Body IO. By the way, I have to give a shout out to my coach Alex Moore because yeah. he, he ripped. <laughs> I have to yeah. say, but uh, but there was a, a really critical point around eight weeks when I got frustrated as hell. Like I, I would fat loss slowed down, and I was just angry and whatever. So, what do you kind of tend to see there? 
Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think everyone thinks that fat loss is going to be rapid. It's going to be linear. It's going to be like dramatic changes in the mirror, uh, almost like week to week. I think people are always looking for that and that's frustrating. Uh, people don't understand the monotony that goes into getting to your goal. And that's like with anything like doing a sport, you know, the best athletes will sit there and do the same drill over and over and over again, hating it, but doing it because they know they have to do it to get to their goal. Um, you know, this ties into what you said about uh, people who kind of like jump from diet to diet, like what's appealing? Is it, you know, can I eat this? Can I eat that? I just, I think in general, people diet jump like that for those reasons, uh, because the diets sound appealing, like if you need all the cheesecake you want at night, but I also think they just don't give whatever they're doing a long enough chance. So, I mean, I see a lot of people that come through, like they come to, you know, the community using carb night. And then you kind of see on Facebook, like the next week they're doing like another diet. And then like two months later, it's another diet. Um, yeah, people get bored. They just don't understand that it's a long process and that consistency is the key. And I'm, I really, as far as like diet jumping around, um, there's sure there comes a time where you might want to try something different. I have a woman who I helped her lose her baby weight after she had a baby. Uh, we were down to like 10 pounds away from her goal weight. And, uh, she, <laughs> She just had several things in her life that just became extremely frustrating. And, and I, it wasn't just the diet, but I, know, I knew that maybe a change in the diet just might be a relief with everything else that was going on in her life. So we switched her to a diet that there was no timing of macronutrients whatsoever. It was just basically like if it fits your macros. And she lost that last 10 pounds. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's... It's a toss-up, like, you know, jumping around diet to diet, like people do with training uh, methodologies too, like every month. I think that's ridiculous. But if you've given something like a year, uh, then, you know, sometimes it's worth a change. Right. Yeah, actually, um, when, uh, how do you deal with clients? Because, well, I'm, I think I was one of those clients actually for for my coach, but I guess clients generally tend to just um, uh, expect some hand-holding in every kind of tricky mm -hmm. situation. Like, okay, I ate half an apple. What should I do now? Oh, what yeah. I, how do you deal with that kind of thing? Um, okay, so what you said, like, I ate half an apple. What, I, what should I do now? I know this is, like, a huge frustrating thing for me with people who come from low-carb diets. They're super afraid of, like, a few berries or like you said, half an apple and they'll eat that half an apple and they'll, they'll email you in a panic because they think they need to do the 10 day reorientation all over again because they had an apple. Yeah. In that situation, I would say nine times out of 10, all that person needs is a sounding board. So the coach to say, so what? You eat yeah. half an apple, get on with life. Like tomorrow's this, treat tomorrow as you normally would. Um, I think just that reassurance is what people need. And I understand that because, I mean, that person is an, is an expert and, you know, maybe they're a lawyer or a teacher. That's their specialty. That's what they do. They, they don't have the knowledge to feel confident making those decisions. So having a coach to help you through, you know, that moment is usually what people need. That being said, I have a few clients who 
you know, they'll pay you for advice, but they'll still go do their thing. Even, you know, despite saying, you know, there's no reason to go ultra low carb for 10 days just because you had a beer. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they will, they will give you every reason in the world as to why they think that's, they need to do that. And, you know, what do you do at that point? <laughs> yeah. That's what they're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Um, you know, some people want to be helped and they'll let you help them. And some people say they want to be helped, but they don't let you help them. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, there's so many levels that we're dealing with, like emotional, thing, you know, things. Are, I'm not, I, I think a lot of my clients are very honest about what goes on in their life as far as stressors, but, you know, sometimes there's things that they don't want to discuss. And there could be underlying situations that they're in that might make it extremely hard to try to tackle, uh, you know, a strict nutrition regime right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think for, for most people, um, I think generally a coach is primarily there to kind of just get you stick mm -hmm. to something like to, to just get all the question marks out of the equation because yeah. just for themselves, they just always think that some very unique special rules apply for them. <laughs> totally agree. And, and they're, and that's kind of like, maybe if they didn't have a coach, they would jump ship to a new diet, you know, like w when you're stalling a little bit, they would jump ship and go to a new diet, but it's nice when they have a coach because, you know, I'm just like, so you're stalling a little bit, you know, let's just give it some time. Like there's no reason right now to change anything. And sometimes that's all people need to hear. And then there's other people who, uh, you know, they just want to do whatever they want to do and they're going to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, um, I guess before we slowly start to wrap stuff up, um, mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up something. You mentioned that you're expecting a baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be curious how whether you've changed uh, a lot of stuff in your nutrition approach uh, and your training approach. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, by the time this podcast releases, I'll have uh, I'll put up my training uh, YouTube video. But right now, what I'm doing is I've been writing blogs on my website, andreajangle.com. And then I've also been incorporating some YouTube videos. So I've done two nutrition videos about my first trimester. I'm going to do a I'm going to do a training video today. Uh, and I'm going to break it down into trimester because I realized like you go to a lot of websites and it's like, oh, in pregnancy, you should eat and train like this. And it's like, First trimester and second trimester and third trimester are not going to be the same. Uh, so I really want to break it down. Um, what I talked about, I'll try to do this quickly, um, but you can go to my YouTube channel. It's just Andrea Jangle or my website to find this info. Um, my nutrition in the first trimester was a nightmare because I was so sick. I was sick during the evening. I was sick at night. Uh, I had major food aversions. I was super fatigued. I... I had weird cravings, uh, just nauseous all the time, and I had major indigestion. <laughs> mm -hmm. So all of these things made it, you know, it's interesting. I think most people would consider me someone that has my nutrition on point, and I would, you know, I'd agree with that. Um, and, it, you know, so what a good experiment to throw all this at me and see if I could do it. And, no, I couldn't. I'm here to tell you, like, I could not eat the way I used to eat for various reasons, even simply as like backloading my carbs at night, it would just make me ill. Like I, cause I didn't have morning sickness. I was sick at night in the evening. And the last thing I actually wanted was high glycemic carbs. It was one of my major food aversions. Uh, anything that would spike my blood sugar like that just made me feel sick. So, you know, there was, 
physical reasons I couldn't eat like that. Um, but this is something I, you know, pointed out in my video, which was, so in your first trimester, your calorie needs are pretty much just your maintenance needs. There's no, ex there's no excess of, uh, sorry, excess of calories that you need to really worry about. You're also so tired that you can't train and you just, your regular daily expenditure is just not the same. Uh, I was napping for a couple of hours every day. I was going to sleep very early. Um, and just when I was sitting around house, the house, I was working. I mean, I, w I couldn't even stand at my standing desk. That's how tired I was. I was sitting down working. So all those things add up. Um, so, I mean, this goes back to the macronutrients and calories. My macros didn't really change. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wasn't able to time my carbs as I normally would. And I had different food choices. So, you know, I knew I was at a good point as far as eating enough. Some days I, I was under eating because I just was sick and didn't feel well. But I knew where my calories kind of should be at. I knew where my macros should be at. I was basically hitting those macros. I was just using different foods and there was no timing of, of macronutrients. So I was like, if it fits your macros. <laughs> That's right. the way I looked at it, right? Um, it had, I don't want to make this sound like I'm, worrying about my body composition right now uh, because that would not that, that would sound really really bad I'm not but I can tell you that that switch it didn't have any negative effect on you know the way I looked or anything like that it, and I'm pregnant <laughs> like, um, you know so I think you know I was thinking about this when I was doing the videos women who are so you know tunnel vision about the way they eat and and hung up on you know like a low carb diet Man, it's going to be scary if you if if you are pregnant and you have to make these changes. Luckily, I knew because I manipulated my diet so much in the past that it wasn't really going to matter. It was you know as long as I was eating enough and trying to get in my nutrients that I needed, that was the most important thing. Um, and I can see how that would cause a lot of anxiety for someone who's followed a really really strict uh, diet regime and you know has a very narrow view on things and that's a lot of anxiety to deal with in your first trimester because there's a lot going on. So, um, yeah, my training, I haven't done that video yet, but you know, my sleep was messed up because of being sick and I wasn't able to eat as much as I wanted to and just hormones. So I had to auto regulate my training significantly. Um, there was major changes. My strength was good. I just did not have the endurance. And now my second trimester, that my body's changing a little bit more. It's interesting. I have all the energy in the world, but I don't feel 100% safe lifting the weights I used to be able to lift for like the big lifts. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in my second trimester, I'm only 15 and a half weeks right now, but I feel that that's going to be the major focus is changing my training a little bit. And my nutrition uh, is kind of the way it used to be before. Uh, my nutrition right now in my second trimester is naturally resorting to what would be kind of like a carb backloading in uh, a calorie surplus. Right. So to build muscle because I need about, you know, about 200, 300 calories more per day. Uh, so I'm familiar with that, which is nice because I'm familiar with that when I've had periods of wanting to build muscle mass. So that's, you know, I, the food aversions, the sickness, everything is gone in the second trimester. So I'm resorting more to that. But that being said, if I have a day where I want to have carbs for lunch, I have carbs for lunch. <laughs> uh, 
I think oh trying God. to, yeah, uh, yeah, I think trying to, your mindset really has to change when you're pregnant. And it's, it's not about, you know, meticulous nutrition strategies. It's about how you feel, making sure you're getting enough nutrients and calories to support your pregnancy. Yeah. Right. Okay. That, that's, uh, all right. And, and do you have already like plans what you will, uh, what nutrition you will advise your little one once, uh, you know, kind of old enough yeah. on their own? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't want to make food a thing, you know, like I, I want to fill the food or I want to fill the fridge and the cupboards with food that is nutrient dense, not highly processed. And I want my kid to be able to go to the fridge or the cupboard and pick anything they want to eat and know that they're getting good nutrition. Um, I won't be putting them on any kind of specific nutrition plan. That being said, there will be time for, for some treats. Um, and, you know, should my child develop any kind of um, condition or sickness where it can be healed with some kind of nutrition protocol then I would totally take that approach but I'm not going to have like a super limited uh, thing about food I actually don't even really want to talk about diet in front of my kids or or anything like that I I see so many adults with these like crazy impressions and, and weird hang-ups about food that I just I really want to try to avoid that that is a priority um, should be interesting being what, what do you do mom well help people lose weight. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it should be interesting, but I really want to, uh, well, Chelsea, uh, who is also a body IO coach, she's a mother of two. We did a podcast with her on her body about her approach. And it's, it's very much like that. The food, the, the house is full of food that they can eat whenever they want. because it's all nutritious. And then once in a while, there's some treats and that's kind of the way I am with my day to day. So it shouldn't really be too much of a change. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that answer. And, it, you know, I, I think that's what ultimately the route everybody should take because I find myself already like, I wouldn't say stressing about thinking about like, okay, if in 15 years I will have a kid, what will I, you know? Yeah. Feed? But, um, yeah, but with, uh, with that actually, because you just mentioned the podcast and I know that you're about to launch your own I'm not sure if it's up already. No, it's not. I, I, we had a little bit of a setback. We've had some, you know, family tragedies and stuff. So that's all kind of been on hold. But yeah, so uh, my website's up and my blog. And on there, you can find all my old podcasts. I'll, even put, I'll put a link to this podcast too. So anywhere I've appeared, I, I have a link to that. Uh, and yeah, I am starting to, to work on my podcast. I have a meeting with someone tomorrow about that. So eventually that will be up and running. Um, I'm excited about that because it's one of my favorite things. Cool. So what, what kind of stuff are you getting into the future? Give, give us some some teaser. Uh, I don't want to give any teasers about the podcast just yet. Okay. Well, not okay. about the podcast. Yeah. In general. Like. Yeah. Um, I would really like to do seminars. So I do like coaching online. That's something I do enjoy. And I like blogging and I like sharing my stories, but I would like to be able to educate more people at once. Uh, so I'd like to start to travel and do some seminar seminars eventually. Uh, even if they're just online seminars, that's something I'm going to work on. Probably give myself some time after the baby's born. Baby's due in July. So I don't think that would be till next year uh, that I'd be focused on that. Um, 
people and helping them sort out the BS and what they need to focus on. That's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I think our energy, I think our energy is so precious and how much time we have to worry about certain things is just so limited. So I really like helping people just put aside the things that they don't need to worry about and help them refine what they do need to focus on. Uh, so that would be a, that would be a focus for me. Um, I also, you know, I have this dream about teaching women how to lift properly. And I'm not talking about like how to deadlift properly, just how to approach a training session in the gym. Uh, Cause that's the other big mistake I see. And, and something I miss about working with people is I just don't see the right intention when it comes to trying to lift weights in the gym. It's still kind of treated like cardio. Like it's just like a calorie burn and there's flailing and there's, there's no uh, there's no attention to like muscle contraction. You can ask most people when they do, if they lift a weight, an average gym goer, you could ask them why they're doing what they're doing, and they can't tell you. They can't even tell you what muscle group they're working. In their eyes, they're just burning calories. Wow. Uh, so I think there's a you know a lot of room for education there with like a real like a newbie gym goer. I think there's a a lack of attention to that. Mm-hmm. It's surprising me why gyms don't educate people about that. <laughs> uh, actually, it doesn't surprise me because when I worked in the gym, I wanted to put together a program with like that, but uh, they said no because that will take away from personal training sales. So that's why they don't do it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. A little trivia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you go into a gym, it'd be nice to have like an intro course on like, you know, just why are you here? What are you doing? What you're doing? Understand it. I think if you understand what you're doing, you're going to be highly more successful <laughs> yeah. and not, not to not to mention not to mention a the how some of the personal trainers in some gyms look to begin with not to be rude and just the stuff that they make clients do sometimes i just want to cringe like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah but that is a whole whole separate for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes all right so- then uh, so yeah, then where can people find you and uh, what um, links are, yeah. Are yeah so um, my website is andreajengle.com, A-N-D-R-E-A-J-E-N-G-L-E.com. I'm on Instagram under my name also, and Twitter and Facebook under my name, nothing fancy. Um, and you can find me there. I'm trying to tweet more. I really, I dislike Twitter out of all of the social media things. That's the one I hate the most, but <laughs> I'm starting to learn to like it a little bit more. And uh, hopefully I'll have my podcast on, everything will be on my website. So if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram or my website, you'll get updates. Cool. All right, AJ, thanks so much for taking the time. It was a really, we talked just about an hour. So thanks a lot for your time. Thanks and- for having me. Yeah, it was very informative. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And I will see you next time. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Like I said, some real valuable information was shared on this episode. I really enjoyed talking to AJ. She's a real chill person and was really fun talking to her. So I hope you liked it, too. If so, again, please leave a rating on iTunes and stay tuned because I upload a new episode every week. But at this point in time, actually, it's more like four or five episodes a week uh, because I'm still uploading older episodes. So in the future, more cool interviews with the most successful people in the fitness field and in other fields will be featured on this show. So you definitely do not want to miss out on that. So guys, thank you so much for listening and see you next time.